been since I preached here. And they said, it's been a long time, Pastor. And I said, it's been two weeks. But I, I want to say to you that I have totally and thoroughly enjoyed uh, our pastors, our uh, Pastor Ted and uh, coming up. And he shared what's the first week. Some of you remember, we of course, we've been into this series called Detox. And I asked him not to roll that bumper this morning because I really wanted to share with you something else. But I, I, I want us to do something as we get started. Would you just one more time, because I, I don't want to forget those people that are watching us online. And we apologize. I know last week we had some hiccups, but we got a media team. We got, we got some great guys and gals that are helping us back there, making sure this stuff goes off. Thank you, guys. Blake Ross, you're the bomb. It just, I think two days, 21 days of prayer and fasting. We were leaving the house at 5 o'clock in the morning or 5.30 in the morning to be here at 6. And Blake come, and man, I'm telling you, thank you so much. Kelly Mitchell came. They made sure. Can I tell No, you can do better than that. These guys made it happen. I think our highest, uh, we had somewhere around 16 to 20 people in, during prayer, and it was not on a, uh, wasn't necessarily, I don't think, on a Saturday. It was actually an afternoon when we thought the blizzard was coming, and we moved it to that night. We had that many people, and then we did it on Sunday, uh, we did it on Saturdays, and we did it on uh, during the week. Every day, I think Bethany and I miss one, one uh, week and or one day of that. And we focused. We had a focus. We had people that prayed. And I want to say thank you to all of those people who came out for that. If you came one time or you came a bunch of times or you, or you fasted during that, thank you so much. Because I believe that God is doing something wonderful here in this community and in this church. And I want to say we appreciate you and we love you very much and I want to say God's got something great on the cusp of what we're about to go into. Let me mention this real quickly before I forget it um, that we have two st uh, weeks left in Wednesday night. We're finishing up a series that we're in called The Wilderness and it was like 10 weeks long and then we went into the holidays and kind of got broken up. We're going into a brand new series in two weeks called Fresh Air. I cannot describe to you how important it would be for you to come. That's February the 20th. It will launch over in the dining hall on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock. And that series is about somebody, anybody, who feels like they have gotten somewhere in the middle and were, was stuck and you're not going anywhere. Or maybe you just feel like you need a, the breath of God's fresh air uh, to blow in. And I'm going to tell you, this series covers what it's like to get there and what it's like to be there, and what it's like if you don't come out, or you, you refuse to, you ignore it, and what God, the next thing is what you can do to, to uh, what God can do through you, and it's exciting, four weeks, and we're excited to get to start that. These last 21 days of prayer have been awesome. I know that I've already said it, and I want to get started here. We've been talking about whatever you choose to starve will die. Whatever you choose to feed actually thrives. Isn't that right? Whatever you choose to starve will die. Whatever you choose to feed will thrive. Most of us got up this morning, hopefully you found something to eat, and you, you, you did that, and you put something good into your body. And for some of us that get up and we eat the things that we love to eat, like whatever it may be, biscuits, gravy, that's what I kind of like. You know, that's kind of my thing, as, and I don't do that every week. But uh, bacon, I like all that stuff. When you start cutting that stuff out, your body doesn't die, but it changes. 
and it will beg you for mercy. Please go back to bacon and get away from oatmeal with nothing in it. Please get back to some, uh, some fried eggs and, and quit fooling around with the fruit you're eating because I want that. That's the flesh side of us. It isn't about making us miserable, but it's about us disconnecting ourselves, making our bodies come under this rule and saying, no, you're going to, we're going to do this. But believe me, it will buck and it will carry on. And I don't know about you, but mine did. And fasting detoxes, it's a way of detoxing yourself uh, from things that we don't necessarily need. Now, here's the thing. Week one, I preached and talked about spirit detox. And we talked about the things that the spirit man needed to get out. Week two was on the soul. Pastor Ted did that was soul detox. It was things that are in your soul. Your souls, your mind, will, and emotions. It's the things that you need to get out of that and then the things that you needed to do. Last week, I, I heard so many comments back. And I want to apologize to those that are online. We had a hiccup with the, with the live feed and we only got the last uh, so many minutes of it, but I'm going to tell you, the people that I heard back from in this church said, Pastor Bethany nailed it. She hit it. She hit some tough spots, some tough places. So listen, we're in church, and there's a lot of tough areas we need to cover. There's some things that need to be said that haven't been said. And you know what? If it was, we probably wouldn't be in some of the situations that we're in. But she touched on detoxing your body, not necessarily about alcohol, not necessarily about drugs, but other things that needed to happen. And I'm going to tell you there's some things that we needed to detox out that need to stay out. But you cannot stay in detox mode the rest of your life. I don't know about you, but every now and again I want a Krispy Kreme donut. A divine donut. I, I would see those signs coming to church. And I was like, Jesus, that's you. I mean, divine donuts. It's got to be you. I mean, it has to be. With Krispy Kreme and Jackson has a hot sign flashing, there's something that draws you in. So some of those things, but there are some things that we remove out of our life that need to never come back again. There's stuff that comes out of your spirit, man, that never needs to go back. There's stuff in your mind that never needs to go back. You need to put up a big keep out sign and say you're not welcome here anymore. Amen. And I've made some choices. I've made some choices of the way that I've chose to think, the way that I've chose to eat, and the way that I've chose to live. And so today, this message is going to be very practical. And I'm going to be call, going into what is called, what do we do? Because if someone said this, hey, Pastor, we've been showing up here for the past 21 days praying at 5.30 in the morning. It's almost like, what do we do next? And so what I want to do in this final installment of this is to help you about where we're going. What, what do I do now? If you haven't been there, this can help you be able to set up some good habits in your life. Really detoxing is getting, somebody say, bad habits out of your life, and good habits into your life. And everybody in here, we need some good habits. And, and it's, it's been known that it takes about 21 days to break a bad habit. Well, I can tell you that you can get into a good habit quicker than that. Do you believe that? 
And so some of you, when I say this, it's going to be six days for you to, you could get into a good habit. You could start it and you would be into a good habit. Some of you, it'll take longer than that. But that's what I want to do. This teaching is very practical. I probably won't be running over some chairs this morning or anything like that. But it will help you that when you leave here, you can go away. Some of you are going to take notes. Some of you will choose not to. I'm not judging you. I'm just telling you, I'm going to give you some stuff. Some of you are in business. This will help you in your business. This will help you in your daily walk with the Lord. It will help you in general, period, and we're going to need it. Now let's turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, and I'm going to read to you these scriptures, and we're going to get into this study. The Bible says, and it's up on the screen, and we've got some words that are highlighted. Thank you guys for making sure that was done. It says, now the, may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And may your whole spirit, there's your spirit, man. We talked about that the first week. And soul, that's what we talked about the second week. That's your mind, will, and emotions. That's what you're made up of. You are triune being because God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, He is three in one, three, three distinct working parts in the body of Christ, yet one person, are you with me, or one spirit, look at this, and body, that was last week, keep you blameless, and how, how can he do that? Well, here's the word that I need you to get, it says keep, that's the thing, if we don't keep what we've been working on, you can undo what we've been working on quicker than what you probably have done it, does that make sense? That's the issue that we deal with. It isn't about fasting. It isn't about all those things. It's about what do I do here and how do I keep what I've been experiencing and what I've been giving. Well, he, he tells us how long he wants to keep it. He says blameless until when? Until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. And that's what we want to focus on. He wants, God wants to give you peace in your life. He wants to keep you. He wants to keep you strong, and He wants to keep you blameless until He returns back. In other words, when you give your heart to Christ, you live for the Lord. There are things that we pick up traditionally out of habit. We just do it. It doesn't mean that your spirit man isn't still saved. It's just stuff that we do that we find needs to get out. It needs to get out of our life. And many of us know someone that's given their heart to Jesus, but they're having trouble staying strong. They're having trouble holding on to their faith. So how do we do it? If we've been 21 days of detoxing and now we want to try to keep up what we've been doing, we need to post a big keep out sign for the devil that he knows and the enemy and some of that stuff and say, you're not welcome here anymore. You're not coming back into my mind, fear. You're not coming back into my mind, worry. You're not coming back into my spirit. You're not coming back. There's some things that probably doesn't need to come back in our bodies. Come on, somebody. And so how do we do that? It's by applying good habits. Now, there's a man by the name of John Maxwell who does a lot of teaching. I would almost guarantee you that if you're in a successful business, or a company, a corporation, that many of those top CEOs and leaders have read books and stuff on John Maxwell. He is a great leader. We've heard him many times, or I've gotten the opportunity to hear him. And he has this leadership rule, or he calls it a rule of five principle. And I want to share with you just quickly what that is in a synopsis. Are you ready? So let me give this to you because I've got five things I need to give you practically that you're going to need. All right, here's the thing he says. He said, if you're going to go out 
and you were going to, you had a tree in your yard, and you were going to cut it down. That tree in your yard is going to, you're going to have to go out, take an axe, because a baseball bat's not going to work, and you're going to have to hit that tree, and if you only hit that tree five times a day, somebody say five times a day, not all day, somebody say not all day, that eventually, if you just keep doing that, back into the house, put the axe down. You go back into the house and you do that every day. What's eventually going to happen to that tree? That tree is going to fall. It is going to hit the ground. It may not do it the first day or the second day, but eventually it's going to do that. Well, this principle or this rule of five, look at this, is to, to discover in your life what is, what is your tree? What is your dreams? What is it that keeps you up? What is, it your, what is your hopes? What is it that you want out of life? And when you discover what your tree is, it is important that you are consistent in making sure that the tree falls down or you accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. So in order to get that, look at this, Proverbs 17 and verse 24. This is what it says. Sensible people keep their eyes glued on wisdom. Somebody say wisdom. But a fool's eyes wander to the ends of the earth. You say, that's pretty strong, Pastor. All he said, or all Solomon is saying here basically is this, is that wise people keep their eyes on a focus or a prize. If you're going to try to win a baseball tournament, you got your eyes focused on the tournament or on the prize of the tournament, not just the baseball game. But you know what you have to do, hit the tree five times in order to win it. You see what I'm saying? And you may not have to win every game, but you got to win some of them, right, to get to where you're going. Amen. If the saints could have picked that up, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to go there. I'm sorry. I apologize, Saints fans. I apologize. They stole it from us. We were robbed. Uh, anyhow, uh, you can laugh. It's okay. This means they didn't have the pressure that they'll have today. But a fool's eyes wander. What does that mean? That means that if you don't focus on something that you, you don't know what your tree is and you don't focus on that, you'll go everywhere. Your life will seem like it's here and there and you don't even know what it is that you're supposed to be doing. You're trying to figure this stuff out. So I'm going to give you these quick four principles to live better. And then I'm going to share with you a, a principle of five. I'm going to give you four to start with. And there's a reason for that, but look at this. The first thing is this, that you're intentional. Be intentional. You need to be intentional about it. You know what? Some of us just need to be intentional about going to school. You need to be intentional about going to your job. Some of you are. Some of you, it doesn't really bother you. That's why if, you don't, if you're not intentional about going to your job, you're going to get fired. If you're not intentional about going to school, you're gonna, you know, it's not going to work out for you. What do you want to look, what, is, what do you want your life to look like? And then how do you, then you've got to focus on that. Second thing is you've got to be practical. You, some of you are intentional, but you're not practical. You go out every day with a baseball bat instead of swinging an axe five times. And the baseball bat ain't going to cut the tree down. You've got to be practical about what you're doing. Some want to go out the first day and cut the tree down, and all you need to do in this is swing that axe five times in order to eventually get this tree to fall. The third thing is, is this. You've got to be consistent. You don't have to do it all day. You just have to do it every day. I want everybody to say it with me. You don't have to do it all day, but you have to do it every day. Every day. Every day. 
most of us don't have to worry about getting up and eating every day. Problem a lot of us have, or I have, is wanting to eat all day. And I can't eat all day, but I need to eat every day, right? So here's the thing. Be practical. Be consistent. That's, that's the next one. And then this fourth one says, expect results. Believe that God has something greater for you, that God did not just call us here in ministry to student ministries or to children's ministries or to small groups just to constantly put out fires. That's not what God wants. He wants results. When we train leaders, those leaders will grow, and they, as they grow, we expect results out of them. My youngest son said something to me one time. I, I said, son, for some reason, I give these people tasks to do. And we're just talking because he's in the ministry. He's in a very large church. And, and we're talking. And I said, I don't understand. He said, dad, you need to give de- deadlines. Don't just give them a task to do. Tell them when you want it done. And I thought, man, for a kid, that's pretty smart. But he's right. Because most of us, if we don't think we got to do it in a certain time, we won't do it. We'll just put it off. We'll put it off till the yard's knee high and our wife says, hey, you got this afternoon to get the yard cut. Amen. All right. So here's the thing. Here's the challenge. Here's what I want you to do. I told you it's going to be very practical. I want to give it to you real as quick as I can. And that is I'm challenging you to make a list of five things. I'm going to give you five of my own. And I'm going to give you five of what I believe will help you. It doesn't have to be yours. It just can be something you can go by. Is that all right? Because when you're talking about this. So I gave you the four principles. But let me give you this. What should your day look like? And at the end of every evening, can you make sure that they've been done? I have a, on my computer or whatever you want to call it, laptop, there's a thing called stickies. My wife has them all over hers. Now, I'm too ADD and two OCD for stickies all over mine. But I do have one in the top left corner of mine that is my top five things that I want to do. And I'm just going to share these with you. I, I, all I can say is I took them, and I, this is what I've decided for me that I need to do. I have an armband on that says pray first. So the first thing out of the gate that I need to do before I do anything else is pray. Now, that doesn't mean that i got to go get 30 minutes on my knees and, and beg God for all the things I need that day. That just means I need to take time to spend time in prayer. Everybody with me on that? The next thing that I need to do is I need to read my Bible. I need to read my Bible. There are all kinds of version apps out there. There are 15-minute, 5-minute. I mean, it's customized to anything you want to do. But for me, I've got to read God's Word. These are things that I feel like I need to do. They're my top five. Well, pastor, why did you do that? Because i got to give God my first. And me and him, if this thing is more, i, I got to say something here. Church is more than just showing up on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday, just coming by, brushing God and saying, God, I'm going to give you some money, and I hope I get to heaven. No, church and or, or this thing we call church are about God is about a relationship with him, which says, I'm going to talk to you, God. Because if I didn't talk to my wife, or if I talked to my wife, like sometimes we talk to God, we probably would not have a good relationship. But because I choose to get up and say, hey, beautiful, how are you today? And that's some of your problems. You're not speaking what you want to see. 
You're, you're speaking. You're not saying what you want to see. You say, why would you say that to your wife? Because she's to me, she's beautiful. Well, my wife isn't. She's ugly. Well, I can't help that part of it. But I can tell you this. If you tell her that, you ain't going to be married long. And if you think that, you're not going to be married long. You've got to start speaking and saying over them what you want to see in their life. Some of you need to pay more attention to your spouse. Husbands, pay more attention to your wives. Valentine's Day is coming up soon. I'm trying to help somebody out in this house. Amen. Number three, I will love those closest to me. You know what? You have to be intentional about that. Husbands, wives, you have now next week we're gonna be talking it up big time. It's all gonna be about relationships. You know, if you're married, if you're seriously dating, you're thinking about getting married, you got a good friend, whatever, however you fall into that, we're gonna be talking about that next week. We're gonna really zero in. Don't miss it, because I'm gonna help somebody. I believe the Lord's gonna help somebody. Marriage, people that are married, people thinking about getting married, people just got a good friend, you know, because you ask them, are y'all dating? No, we just good friends. You know they're lying. All right. I'm going to love those closest to me. Who are the people that are closest to me? My wife is closest to me. My children are closest to me. I'm going to love them. Fourthly, I'm going to make a difference in someone's life. I need you to hear this. The last of our mission statement, the first of it is know God. Come on, somebody. Number two is come on, find freedom. I need somebody to say this. Know God, find freedom. Number three is discover purpose. What is my purpose? What did God wire me to do? And number four is what? Make a difference. You've got to make a difference in somebody else's life. You know what I've realized? Something that I realized, I don't even think a whole lot about it, but I try to every day, whether it is one of my children or somebody that I'm leading or somebody just in the church, I try to send out a text. And some of you have gotten those texts, and if you didn't, it's not because there's anything against you. It's because I believe that one simple text can make the difference in a good day and a bad day. And I have the power in my hand to be able to help somebody else that needs to hear something good in their life. They may be having a day that absolutely stinks. And you'll pull your phone out for everything else in the world. You're so connected to, to Facebook and so connected to Twitter and so connected to all this other stuff that you're looking at. My goodness, how about taking the time, amen, instead of, instead of some of that, sharing with somebody else and saying, hey, I just want you to know personally today, I love you, I'm caring about you, and I believe that God has something good for your life. You know what? Make a huge difference in somebody. Huge difference in somebody. And the last thing is this, and they're not, they're, they're in an order, but I guess this is an important order, and this is this, is this one. Number five, this is my person. And that is, I will take care of myself. Which sometimes means that I need to step back and ask somebody else, hey, why don't you come and preach this morning? Because I just feel like that's necessary for me to take a rest a little bit. Because my, my job is more than just coming up here on Sunday morning and sharing a, a message with you and reading the Bible if you haven't read your Bible all week long. My job is greater than that. It's bigger than that. It's where the feet, where, you, where the boots hit the ground when you're dealing with issues that nobody else wants to deal with. Personally, church, relationally, all these things. So that's just mine, okay? Now, this doesn't suggest that yours has to be just like it. 
but it is something similar that you might want to do. So when you today, what do you want your life to look like beyond this 21 days of prayer and fasting? For those of you that did that, you fasted caffeine, you fasted sweets, or you fasted bread, or you fasted whatever, social media. What do you want your life to look like? Well, I believe that the most important habits are those connected to your spirit man. That was the first one that I preached. That's why I'm getting the tail end of it. Not that the others aren't, because if your spirit man is better, the rest of you will be better. If your spirit man is better, we know we need to pray. We'd rather pay somebody to pray for us because getting up at 5 in the morning to show up at church at 6 and then hauling off to work before 7, some of them would come and they would stay for 45 minutes, but they had to be at work in 15 minutes. We had that day in and day out, but people were sacrificing to be here because they believed that their spirit life needed to change. The truth is your life would be better if you were spiritually better. So why? Why? Well, you're on a spiritual journey. I've had people want to argue the point, well, I don't go to church and I don't even believe in God. You are still on a spiritual journey. you got to choose which way you're going with it. But I believe that when you choose the best, you're a spiritual being, you will always long for spiritual things, and if you choose the best path for that, you're going to go a long way. My wife and I have this verse that's in our, it's on her computer screen, we live by is something that she says often and that is Matthew 6.33 but seek first somebody say first but seek first the kingdom of God that means my, my ideas are second my thought pattern is second I'm seeking first the kingdom of God his righteousness and then the rest of it young people that are looking for somebody adults that are looking for a relationship you're wanting a husband you're wanting a wife you're looking for somebody hear what I'm telling you when you will seek first the kingdom of God his righteousness I'm telling you God will put the right people in your life but when you're trying to seek them out and you're trying to find them and you're trying to figure it out you can walk down the wrong path and there are many who could stand in here and say my God if somebody would have preached and told me this years ago I would have never gotten married to the person I'm married to I'm not telling you to divorce them I'm telling the young people in here you need to know that God and that you are in alignment with God seek first the kingdom of God in your finances seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness you've got to line up with the word first if you don't you're going to go your own path come on somebody so here we go your, your rule, the rule of five that I'm going to give to you, this is the ones that I think are, are, are the most important that you could apply every day to your life. It's going to be very simple. Number one, it's the first thing you need to do is acknowledge and thank God. It's, this is going to be basic. Somebody's going to go out of here and say, you know what? Our pastor since 21 days of prayer and fasting, he has gotten very simple. I don't know whether to take it as a compliment. Or to be offended. But you know what? A lot of what we need, I enjoy and I know that I get loud. It's just the way that it is with me. And I, I'm just that kind of probably wired that way, preacher. I'm not wired like uh, Pastor Bethany or Pastor Tagan or Pastor T I'm not wired like a lot of people. But what you see is how I'm wired. That's how I'm wired. And I like, I like somebody to get up in my business and tell me, hey, you need to do something here. You need to change your life. 
You know, you got, you got too much weight on. You need to get some off. Just make me mad to go on and do it. Even when I hurt and don't feel like doing it. Because if I'm going to be intentional, i got to be intentional. Nobody else is going to take care of Tony Winkler. i got to. And sometimes that's saying no when I really want to say yes, and I've had to do that. I've had people call me about funerals that were not even nowhere connected to this church other than maybe that person may have shown up once or twice here. But they had no other connection to anybody. And I would say yes to that. And honestly and truthfully, and this is if you're here and that happened and you, you're thinking it's you, it's not you. I'm just saying I've done a lot and I probably should have declined and said, I really, no, I can't because of my own health. And I didn't realize how much toll it was taking on my mind. It was taking on, are you hearing what I'm telling you? Some of us that have been through tragedies, and we've been through stuff in our life, we know what it did to us, and we think somehow or another that a pastor can come and preach that and never connect to it. But I'm telling you, I do. And it's hard. It's hard as it can be emotionally because I'm that kind of a guy. Are you with me? But the first thing i got to do before I do anything else is get up and thank God for the day. For what? That breath I just took. Two words acknowledging God, thanking God. Two or two words, thank you, is acknowledging one swing of this axe. In Romans 1, the Bible tells us that, that, that there was a group of people, a generation, listen to this, that knew God. They knew God. They showed up to church. They came to youth group. They came to, they came to house to house, all of these things. But the Bible says they did not worship God and they did not give Him thanks. Do you know what's going on in our world right now? We got a world that's filled with ingratitude. People that don't care. They don't care. I watch people walk in the door and, and almost slam the door in front of you knowing they're behind, that you're behind them. Watch people fight at a gas pump at Kroger over a three-cent fuel difference. Listen to me. My life and your life is worth so much more. I had a guy here a few months back into last year in a company truck. I'm not telling who it was that I was on my motorcycle riding it because it was cheaper on gas to drive that day for something, an errand that I was doing for the church. I got up on 61, and this guy was cutting in and out, and he was pulling a trailer and had the number to the thing all on the thing, and I... I'm telling you, it got back. I mean, it got, and he almost off of I-20. And when I say off of I-20, coming on to 61, it got bad. I, it frustrated me. And I thought to myself, he must be going to a fire, an emergency. And I thought, because he went up 61, I thought he's going to turn at the hospital. No, he didn't. He turned up to Super Junior. I'm going to tell you something. God helped me because I followed in him, pulled in front of his vehicle. And the Holy Ghost checked me because I want you to know I'm thankful for every day I've got on this earth and I don't need somebody trying to take me out before Jesus is ready for me or injure me before I'm ready. And so that guy had his number on that thing. And I didn't go in. The Holy Ghost, I saw him walk in and the Holy Ghost checked me and said, you don't follow him and you don't wait here. So I didn't. And I was like, Holy Ghost, is it all right if I text him? 
He didn't tell me I couldn't, so I did. And I still got the text. And I told him, I said, I got a family. And I got people depending on me. And I, my heart is to send you this picture of my family and me because my life is worth more than you getting to the store to get whatever it is that you needed to get. Come on, somebody. I thank God that he let me live another day. All right. Psalms 145, 1 through 3. I will exalt you. No, he never takes back. Knew I had him. <laughs> I got up beside him and honked the horn. The horn on that motorcycle is loud. It sounds like a Buick. He wouldn't look. You know why? Because usually you know. Look at this, Psalm 145. I got to get off this soapbox so I'm going to get done. One through three. I will exalt you, my God, my King, and praise your name forever and ever. Look at this. Number two, I will praise you every day. Not all day, every day. Yes, I will praise your name forever. Great is the Lord, most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. So a good thing in the morning is to open up your eyes and say two words. What are they? Thank you. You know what? Walk outside, the, the sun rises on the east over a fence at my house, and there's many times I'm up before that sun ever comes up. There's many times I've been going out, maybe taking the dogs outside, and that sun's breaking up through and it's coming through, and I just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for sunset that I see out over the Mississippi River or wherever I'm looking at. Thank you, Lord. The Bible says he's given us a new day. Rejoice and be glad in it every day. Here, a real quick story before I go on to number two, and I got to, I got to try to go on to number two here. There's a story told about this guy who was an African king. The African king had a great friend. The great friend hunted with him on these safaris. They were all together all the time, and the, the good friend had a saying. He'd say, it's all good. It's good. It's all good. Somebody say it. It's good. Somebody say, it's all good. No matter what happened, this best friend would not let that African king be negative. So one day they're on a safari and they're hunting together. The best friend always loaded the African king's gun. Don't ask me why, but he did. And so the African king went to make a shot one day, and when he shot, it, the gun misfired. I don't know what kind of gun it was, but it, the story says it blew off his thumb guy that was with him said, the king said, no, it's all bad. The story goes that he put that guy in prison for that because he could. He was mad. The story goes on to say that the king went on some more safaris. I don't know how he cocked his gun back or whatever he did with that thumb he was missing. But he went on a safari and a group of cannibals caught him. They tied him up to the stake and was about to roast him for dinner. And one of them noticed that his thumb was missing. They're very, very, what do you call it, superstitious. And they would not eat anything that was in part and not in whole. Are you with me? So they turned the king loose. The, lo the king feels so bad about it that he realizes that his friend's been in prison for over a year. He goes and cuts him loose. And the king's apologizing to the friend. And the friend says, it's all good. The king was like, how? How in the world? 
He said, because if I hadn't have been in prison for the last year, I'd have been hunting with you. I got my thumb. It's all good. It's raining outside, Pastor. It's all good. The sun's going to shine today. It's all good. I woke up this morning. Praise God. It's all good. I don't feel the best today, but it's all right. It's all good. God's taking care of me. He's looking out after me. Are you with me? Number two, look at this. The second thing you need to do is talk to God. I'm going to do this as quick as I can. I know some of you are going to sit there and say, I wonder why he used talk and not pray. Because half of us don't want to pray. And the ones that... The ones of us that learn how to pray in church learn some kind of formal language to talk to God and we think he's from England and he's not. It's true, church. You know that. You, If you were in church with me, you know what I'm talking about. So how do I pray? Talk to God. He just wants you to talk to him like a friend. He called Abraham a friend of God. Conversation is what he wants. That conversation may be you turning your radio off, driving down the road, and just saying, God, I need to talk to you today. And first of all, thank Him for the life that you have before you start unfolding your bucket list to Him. And then just tell Him, God, I, here's where I'm at. Here's what's going on in my life. I, I believe that's what He wants. Psalm 68, 19 says, Praise the Lord, praise God our Savior for each day, every day. He carries us in His arms. You know what it says? what it's saying to us? It's saying this, that God's not interested in carrying my fancy prayers that somebody else is having trouble to figure out what I'm praying, but He does carry my burdens every day in His arms. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? He wants to carry my burdens, and we can, when we take them there, we can leave them with the Lord. That's what the Bible says. I like this because I heard it, and I thought it was worth sharing. I need you you want to write it down, you can write it down. If you want to tweet it, you can tweet it. I didn't come up with it, but I thought it was real good. Prayer, prayer is weakness leaning on God's omnipotence. It's you and I in the weakness of our own selves leaning on the omnipotence of God, on the all-knowing God. And Jesus did that. Do you know that? There were three ways that Jesus did that or three things that we find out that Jesus did. Did you know that Jesus prayed to his Father? He did. That's where we get the Lord's Prayer from, the model prayer that we pray from. And in those three ways, here's something you might want to get down that I think is very important that if you're going to talk to God, you need to do. You ready? Number one is this, have a certain time. That's why we said 6 o'clock in the morning. That's why we said from 6 to 7, because, and we started on time, I believe, pretty much every day. And we didn't linger after that. We had a certain time. We, you know what you need to write down? I need to make an appointment with God and keep it. Psalms 5 and 3 says, listen to my voice in the morning. Each day I bring my request to you and I wait expectantly. Every day, not all day, somebody say every day. The second thing that Jesus did was that he had a certain place. Jesus did this, and he, what he was doing was he would go away in the garden. He needed an undistracted place of prayer. I'm not telling you you need to go to your garden. It may be. You may need to get out on, on your property somewhere. You may need to go into a room somewhere. My place, I have an upstairs office that I've created for myself, and I usually go there to pray. Now, lately, my wife and I, have, we have off the TV and we've used the living room we've done a lot of different things the summer months I went to 
go down by a pond that we have and, and just pray down there. But I have a place that I can go pour out my heart to the Lord. You need to have a certain place. Mark 1 and 35, the Bible says this. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up. He went out to an isolated place to pray. He needed a place that was designated for prayer. You don't have to do it all day. You need to do it every day. The third thing that we see about Jesus is that he had a certain plan. Why a certain plan? A plan is, Lord, I'm coming to you and I'm going to talk to you today. Look at this. Jesus said, this is in Luke 11, 2 through 4. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day for food we need and forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield into temptation. Now, this plan was Jesus' plan. If you read it, it was the Lord's uh, prayer. If you, it, different versions and formats, but Jesus gave us that format, and a plan can be this, is what it can look like. You're going to work, and you just put in a worship CD, you put in something that you can go by and, and you can worship the Lord, you can go to a room and do that, read some Bible, spend a quiet time listening to God, hearing the voice of God, but have, it doesn't have to look like it every day, it just, you just need to do it all the time, a regular plan. Now let me give you this, we're going to go back, we're back to the, the points of the five things that I could do. Number three, very simple, read, somebody say and submit. Because most of us read but we don't really want to submit to God's word. Some people want to ask, how, Pastor how do you interpret the Bible? How do you figure out some of the things that you do? I don't interpret it and I don't try to. I read it and I submit to it. You know the problem with a lot of our society today is? They want to interpret it the way they want to so they don't really have to submit to it. Don't interpret God's word through the lens of your morality, what you want to do. Interpret your morality through God's word. Because you can convince yourself that sleeping with your boyfriend is okay. You can convince yourself that sleeping with your girlfriend is okay. You can convince yourself that sleeping with your fiance is all right. You can convince yourself of a lot of things if you read it through the lens of your own morality. But let God's Word read you. Let God's Word speak to you and show you that just because your friends are doing it doesn't mean that it's good for you. Look at this, Joshua 1 and 8. God's uh, study the book, talking about the Bible, instructions continually. Meditate on it. What does it say? Day and night. So that you'll be sure to, uh, so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed. Are you getting that in all that you do? You know what God's promises are that if you'll if you'll read the word, study the word, you'll prosper in everything that you do. That's God's promises. Psalms 1, 1 through 3 says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or join the mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord. Look at it. Meditating on it. How long? Not all day, but every day. They are like the trees planted by the riverbanks, bearing fruit of their season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in what? All they do. Feed, I feed my body, but I need to feed my spirit. Come on, somebody. I don't feed my body every day, but I usually don't go without food every day either. Come on, somebody. But I do 
If I'm going to feed my body every day, I need to feed my spirit. And I need to read God's Word. I need to submit to God's Word. How long, Pastor? Try 15 minutes. Five minutes of prayer. Come on, somebody. Five minutes of reading His Word. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? You don't, it don't take long. How long do I need to do this? I, I would challenge some of you that are not doing it at all. Start for six days. Do it every day and see if it doesn't make a difference in your life. I'm getting closer. Look at this, number four. This is, this, is just, this is just, I'm throwing it out there, something I think you need to do. Maintain meaningful relationships. What do I mean by that? Whether you agree or not, everybody listening, your spiritual growth is linked to God's people. Too many Christians have got this, me and Jesus, me and Jesus. If I could just get me and Jesus' mindset, and, and, and God's word doesn't say that. I, I'll tell you another mindset. We got this me and Jesus and me and my family. Or if I can just get them to heaven, I ain't worried about everybody else going to hell in a handbasket. And we got kids we're trying to teach and, and we're tr- that don't even really have a, a, their mama or their daddy in their life. And we're trying to help them and thank God for people who've stepped up like Pastor Tagan and Cindy and Pastor Ted and Gray Lynn and other, many others who have stepped up in the way of trying to understand the fact that we've got young people that need, they don't have family. We are their family. And, and the thing of it is, if that's all you're concerned about, then you're very selfish. If it's, in other words, if you're only concerned about you and your family, in other words, the people that are living within the boundaries of your house or maybe your extended family, that's selfish. God did not create me just for me. He created me for somebody else. He created me that I could help somebody else. And inside, we ought to want that and desire that. And they and your kids need more than that. God's plan is found in Hebrews 3 and 13. He said, but encourage one another, how long? Daily. You and I... Our kids, it's wonderful that we got a relationship with our kids. It's wonderful that we got a relationship with our wife or, or whatever, however you want to say that. But hear this. We need each other, and we need to encourage each other on a daily basis. You need to find somebody to link up with, connect up with, and that's why we have house-to-house, small groups. And I want to tell you that small groups are not meetings. Come on, somebody. Small groups have meetings. And small groups happen every day because of relationships. I'll have people come and say, I want to talk to you, Pastor. I'll say, yeah, I'll, I'll absolutely. Come and talk. And it may be three people in that room. And they'll say, I don't know what to do. And we've been preaching from the pulpit what to do. We've been telling them what they need to do. And they'll say, well, I don't know if I really want to be in a small group. Well, you come in here and there's three of us. That's a small group. Small groups are not just a meeting. They, they are. We have that time together, but small groups are about relationships. I don't understand. We have family dinner. Do you have that? We have family dinner, but it does not imply that I am the dinner. Are with me? I'm the da- I'm a dad to three kids. I'm up here with you today. I'm right here with you, but I'm still their dad. Are you with me? You follow me. Small groups have meetings, but small groups are relationship-driven. It's that we need each other. 
You're going to need somebody to pray for you. You're going to want to pray for somebody else. You're going to, they kick off today. It's, it's the place where you can pull off the mask and say, I want to grow. Everyone needs a small group. Why? Because we need somewhere to incur a place, a place to be encouraged. You shouldn't be trying to do it alone. You shouldn't be trying to live it alone. We can't do this alone. No matter how large this church gets and grows and will grow, we still need to be a church of smaller groups. We need to be a place that everybody knows everybody's name. I had a guy tell me, I've had more than one guy tell me, even though sometimes I feel like I'm not the best with names, and maybe I've never gotten an opportunity to meet you, I want to meet you. Today would be a great day for me to get a chance to meet you and to know you by your first name. Hear this, I had a guy tell me the reason that I came back to your church the second time, was, or when I came back the second time was because you called my name. You remembered me. The hard part is a lot of times I can remember people but the names. My wife is real good with it, and I'm just one of those people that I, I just know. I don't know why, but I asked the Lord to help me with it. Are you there? I'm about to close. Look at me. Number five. These are five things, simple things. I need to do is surrender my life to Jesus. I need to surrender. What does that look like, Pastor? Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 39, tells us this. He said, I die daily, which means my life, what I want, a lot of my desires, a lot of the things that I want in life, I have to die to that daily. 21 days of prayer and fasting, driving by the donut signs. You don't think the devil's out there? Come up here at 5.30 in the morning, they're cooking chicken across the street. Or something, because it smelled good. The devil is a liar. I'm, I'm, I told him on one of the days that we were having prayer, and I'm, I'm getting ready to close. It's very simple. But I took the dogs out and one night, and we had had prayer or was in the middle of prayer that evening because we were praying here in the morning and praying again at the house, me and Bethany were, just because we, I wasn't asking anybody else to do that, just because we felt like we needed to do that. And it was one of those nights that it was cold and there was a lot of humidity or moisture in the air, and I went, just kind of, <sighs> and I breathed out this, this air, you know, how your breath shows through that fog and everything, I could see these stars. You think in your mind, Milky Way. I'm not thinking Milky Way. I'm thinking Milky Way. Pizza. Ooh, a new constellation, chicken leg. That's being honest with you. And so dying out, that is, it's, it's this. It's what, what do I, what are the goals that I have in my life, but I, but I fail because I don't die to my attitudes. I don't die to my opinions. I follow Jesus by a crucified life. What, what, is, what is that? Well, Luke 9, 23 says, Then he said to all of them, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves Take up their cross when? 
daily. Follow me. As your pastor and your friend, I want you to know, honest and truthfully, I want you to have the best life ever. I want you to have the best life ever that you possibly could ever have. And we have circumstances, all of us do, in our life that we don't like. Listen to this closely. But as long as you always attach your happiness to your, your circumstances, I will tell you, if there is such thing, good luck with that. Why? Because my happiness and yours should not be tied to circumstances. Sometimes they are, because we do that. So what do I do when I surrender my life to Jesus every day? Well, first I thank him. I get up and thank him. Next thing I do is I talk to him. The third thing I do is I'm going to read his word. I'm going. Fourthly, I'm going to stay connected with the people who encourage me, who the people who want to encourage me, the people I want to be encouraged by. And fourthly, I'm going to surrender my life to God. You know what? If you do this every day, I promise you that no matter what's going on, what circumstances are in your life, you're going to have so much better of a life than you ever had before. Take a challenge, put these into practice, do them for 21 more days. You don't have to go on the fast. But if you're not successful and prosperous, then God's word's not truth because he told us several times that we would be successful and prosperous in all we do. We put God first. I want my prayer team, if they would, to come. Get my prayer team to come and just take a moment here. This is not about living religious. It is about committing your heart to God every day. Lord, I am committed to you every day. Every day. Now, I know at this moment people will start checking out, but if you will just wait for a few minutes, we'll be finished. I promise we'll get close. With heads, heads bound, eyes closed for just a moment. Say, Pastor, I have never committed my life to the Lord. I've never committed my life to Jesus. And today, you have me thinking about it. You got me thinking about the fact that I've never committed my life to Jesus. And I really feel like that's something that needs to be, that needs to be the option today. That needs to be how I start. If that's you, and you say, Pastor, that's me. I've never committed my heart to Christ and I'm thinking about it. Would you look every head bowed, your eyes closed, just me looking around this morning? Flip your hand up and say, Pastor.